Good morning, I'm Bob Welch, and welcome to my world. It's a cloudy 29, make that 30 degrees in St. Johnsbury as I record this at 11.35 a.m. Forecast for today, cloudy, high 34. Tonight, cloudy, low 24. Tomorrow, cloudy, few flurries in the Northeast Kingdom, high 35, and some sun on Friday morning. Then the clouds take over in the afternoon, high 36. Uh, for uh, the Northeast Kingdom, could get about an inch of snow on uh, Friday night into Saturday. And the forecast from the Weather Service says you'll get a messy mix in the morning, turning to all rain Saturday afternoon. But before that, it'll be 1 to 3 inches with a high reaching 40 with the change to rain. And for Sunday, cloudy with snow showers mainly in the morning, high 34 the regional roundup at this hour is cloudy, except where noted. Burlington, Vermont, Concord, New Hampshire, both 33. Montreal has 31. Portland, 36. Boston has a mix of sun and clouds, 38. Sunny in Hyannis on Cape Cod, 41. Hartford is checking in at 37. And New York City is cloudy and 41. Repeating our St. Johnsbury temperature, 29 and cloudy, reaching 34 today. Front page of the New York Daily News, meet the Meds. Take off on the Mets. Song, meet the Mets. As New York City's City Field is hosting COVID vaccinations. Mayor de Blasio made that announcement along with the Mets owner, Steve Cohen. The vaccinations will be available at City Field starting the week of January 25th. De Blasio telling the New York Daily News with 5,000 to 7,000 shots to be administered per day. Authorities throughout the country are struggling to administer the vaccine as the coronavirus outbreak continues to rage. On Monday, Los Angeles officials said Dodger Stadium would be used as a vaccination site starting this week. The Boston Globe reports Massachusetts has finalized plans for its first mass coronavirus vaccination site, which will be located at Gillette Stadium, where the Patriots play, according to Massachusetts Governor Charlie Baker. He went on to say the first doses would be administered there tomorrow for staff, and it would be open for the first responders come Monday. The site is expected to start by doing 3,000 vaccinations a day, but will build up to administering 5,000 vaccines per day, and the Massachusetts governor says potentially much bigger numbers than that over time. The Bay State is in the middle of a phased vaccination campaign that began with frontline health care workers and people living in long-term care facilities. It began Monday to vaccinate first responders at 119 sites around the Commonwealth. The province of Quebec has responded to the rising COVID numbers by imposing a curfew. Simply put, if you're out after 8 p.m., you'll be spoken to by the police. Not just spoken to, you'll be fined. Quebec's Premier Francois Legault made an exception for walking your dog. You can do that. So, what does a Sherbrooke couple do to get around it? She walks her husband around on a leash, like a dog, over the weekend. CDV Montreal reports that Sherbrooke husband and wife were handed sizable fines for violating the curfew, despite the wife's protests that she was walking her dog and the fact the husband was wearing a leash. 
The woman and her husband were each given $1,500 fines by Sherbrooke police for violating curfew. The pair was caught walking at 9 p.m. Saturday night. Police say the two were walking towards downtown and did not cooperate with the officers. When questioned, the couple said they were happy to receive the ticket and claimed they were following the rules set forth by Premier Francois Legault. Quebec officials have said people can walk their dogs after the 8 p.m. curfew, provided they stay within one kilometer of their house. And the dog actually is a dog. Over the first weekend, uh, under curfew, police officers across the province handed out 750 tickets worth thousands of dollars in fines to people caught out after 8 p.m., including that couple in Sherbrooke over the weekend. I was looking through my Facebook memories, and three years ago it says I was on a train to Halifax at this hour. Seems like a completely different world it seems like it could have been 10 years ago or something yeah i i and it was it was part of a weather situation too uh not that it was uh, not that it really affected me all that much you just aside from the dramatic change in temperature i remember it was uh it was pushing up to 50 maybe 60 degrees in Vermont, as I was driving up into Quebec, and by the time I got into Montreal and parked my car in Montreal's Central Station, it was uh, up to 60 degrees, and then we got on the train. Uh, it was the ocean. It was Via Rail's ocean, the overnight that goes from, although it's suspended now because of the pandemic, they realize so darn many Americans are riding on the train along with, you know, along with uh, their... Uh, COVID guidelines, they just realized we got to go and should put this on hold until it's it's blown over and and uh, we can get we can get back going again. But in any event, that was that was uh, three years ago. Get on the train and it's 60 degrees, and then the cold front starts to go through between Montreal and Quebec, and what had been a mist, fog, you know, foggy kind of a mist on the uh, dome car. You look out and see if it, it then becomes glazed over. And then unlike a windshield in your car where you can just go and turn into defroster and melt the, you can't do that on the dome car on the train. So you're looking, <laughs> you're going to look out the side because the front got a, a blast of Mother Nature. And then it, I guess it, it turned to snow the overnight. And uh, you're in northern New Brunswick uh, watching the snow swirling around and the temperature was 25, as, as my Facebook memories told me, because I was taking screenshots of the, of the weather readings along with the pictures out the window. And I noticed at the exact same time that it was 25 Fahrenheit in northern New Brunswick, it was 60 degrees in Halifax. So we were about to go and get warmer again as we migrated south from northern New Brunswick into Nova Scotia. And that's exactly what it did. And by the time uh, we were in Moncton, the snow had completely left the train. And uh, the windshield on on, on the dome car had cleared up again. And I wheeled my uh, wheeled my luggage into my room that I had stayed at. Of course, I figured out a way of getting that uh, for dirt cheap because I'm one of those people who hoards uh, Hilton honors rewards points. By the way, I, it looks like 
because I have an app on my phone and I can look at this stuff. <laughs> you got an, you got the app on your phone that tells you how many Hilton Honors rewards points you got. I got 39,000. Haven't been able to go anywhere, but I got 39,000 Hilton Honors points. Uh, it, it, at any event, I, I used those, some of those points to go and stay there. And I, I know that I used the points to, to completely pay for one of the directions on the train, too, because I'd been hoarding them for years. I think I hoarded those Via Rail preference points for <laughs> 10 years, 10, 15 years. No, you just sit on them. They're, with the rail points, unlike the you know the the goofy blackout periods and the all the fine print that you get with an awful lot of the airline frequent flyer uh, systems, the Amtrak and Via Rail stuff uh, never has expiration dates on points as long as you're riding on the train. So I looked at vias and it said you know you gotta either ride a train either make it a paying uh trip or or redeem within three years or or you're gonna lose them so i said well i guess we're gonna go and take a trip and it was uh it was nice and uh, it was january which is a time of year when i normally wouldn't do that normally do that stuff in summertime but it was nice to see it was nice to see that that neck of the woods and a different time of year, of course, by the time I arrived in Halifax, it was 60 degrees Fahrenheit. So it felt like, it felt like it was well, some days in Halifax, the temperature is 60 degrees because the ocean has a moderating effect even in the summertime. So it, 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 I, I walked around the boardwalk that they got in Halifax. It's a beautiful boardwalk. And I walked around that boardwalk with uh, shorts and a T-shirt on, and I saw uh, numerous other people doing the exact same thing, and they were just sort of looking at the calendar and going, huh? You think it's January the 13th, huh? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but it, it, it just seems like a completely different world from then compared to now, isn't it? It, it just... The Facebook memories just just showed that, and of course, by the way, it cooled off quite quickly the next day because the cold front had finally come through. And then by the time I went back to Montreal, it was uh, wasn't just sub freezing; it was sub zero by the time I got back. And it was a good thing that I had parked my vehicle inside a parking garage that was reasonably heated. I think they leave it in the 40s or something. Uh, otherwise, it would have been would have been in, encased in ice. I remember, which reminds me, uh, as my attention deficit goes off and uh, goes off in all directions here, I do have a blueprint for the program today. But I am reminded uh, of the uh, uh, when I mentioned the cold snap. I'm reminded of a picture of a car that was left by Niagara Falls on a New Year's Eve, and of course the guy got. The guy got blasted at the bar and didn't take his car home, which is the good thing to do. And he came back to his car, and the waves from the, the splash from the Niagara River uh, just uh, completely encased his vehicle in ice, and they had to go and extricate it from that. And because you've got your smartphone as you're listening to this, you're now Googling the, the image of the 
of, of the car that I just described, because I know you are, because you're curious, just like me. It just it is the pandemic has changed all sorts of things, as I mentioned with that uh, memory there from three years ago that I wouldn't be able to do now because the border's closed. It's going to be closed until at least for the next month, but I anticipate it'll be extended a, a little bit longer until we can get people vaccinated uh, at the rate that it needs to be. Air Canada is set to suspend flights to more cities amid a lack of demand for air travel in the pandemic. By January 3rd, the Toronto Globe and Mail reports Air Canada won't be flying to Fredericton, New Brunswick, and Gander, and Goose Bay, and Newfoundland, and out west. They won't be flying to Prince Rupert and Kamloops in British Columbia, nor Yellowknife in the Northwest Territories. Daniel Robert-Gouche is the president of the Canadian Airports Council and says he was not surprised by Air Canada's move given the persistent lack of demand for air travel and the worsening state of the pandemic. Canada's airlines have laid off thousands of employees, grounded much of their fleets, and slashed schedules by as much as 90%. Toronto's Porter Airlines has not flown since the pandemic took hold in March. Closer to home, they were flying to Burlington, Vermont. They were flying to Portland, Maine, I believe. And I know they were flying to Boston from Toronto. The Canadian government has advised its citizens not to travel unnecessarily, closed the border to most non-Canadians, and imposed a 14-day travel quarantine to slow the virus that has killed more than 17,000 people in Canada, which is a starkly lower number than that in the U.S. 15,000 fewer people arrive and depart daily from the Cincinnati Northern Kentucky International Airport, known as CVG. Yet, the 60% drop in passenger traffic is not so apparent on the airport's four runways, which are handling a record amount of air cargo, nearly 4,000 tons a day. The FAA says Cincinnati is the nation's sixth largest cargo airport and is gaining altitude. The New York Times says Amazon Air, the e-commerce giant's five-year-old cargo airline, is completing a 798,000-square-foot sorting center, seven-level parking structure, and acres of freshly poured concrete to accommodate 20 aircraft. The new facility under construction on a 640-acre site along the airport's southern boundary is scheduled to open in the fall. It represents about a third of the $1.5 billion, 3 million square foot air cargo hub Amazon is committed to building at Cincinnati's airport. Closer to home, VT Digger reports that from a shipping standpoint, it's been like Christmas volume since March for folks who work for people like UPS and FedEx. Think you're having a bad day? At least you're not Stefan Thomas. The German-born computer programmer who lives in San Francisco lost a tiny piece of paper years ago where he wrote down the password for his Iron Key. The Iron Key gives users 10 guesses before it locks up like Fort Knox and encrypts its contents forever. 
He's tried eight times to no avail and has just two guesses left to figure out the password. To his Bitcoin wallet. The New York Times says it's worth about $220 million. The Juno spacecraft orbiting Jupiter has discovered an FM radio signal coming from the moon Ganymede, a finding that marks a first-time detection from the moon, according to station KTVX in Salt Lake City. No, it's not another 50 minutes of commercial free followed up with 10 solid minutes of commercials. No. Neither is it E.T., says Patrick Wiggins, one of NASA's ambassadors to Utah. It's more of a natural function. Juno was traveling across the polar region of Jupiter, where magnetic field lines connect to Ganymede, when it crossed the radio source, scientifically, it's called a decametric radio emission. Here on Earth, we call it Wi-Fi. You're listening to Bob's World. We're on Spotify, Anchor, and more places as we get this thing off the ground. You want to leave a message on the TalkMac machine that never sleeps 24 hours a day, 7 days a week? That number to the TalkMac machine is 802-467-0212. Leave a message on any of the uh, topics. What, what I'd like to get started here, now I realize this is only day three of this venture, and so things... Uh, you know, start off sometimes a little bumpy, and then you then you reach your stride, and and then you're moving forward. I would like to have uh, guests on here, so you want to pass the word around. Or you know somebody who's an authority in something, uh, and and uh, we'll get them on here uh, because we want to we want to get a little bit get a little bit deeper in here beyond uh, beyond the headlines, and uh, that's. That's gonna be the focus. I mean, it won't be it won't be the same kind of thing every single day. Uh, you know, one day it's you know one day it's one day it could be a musician, the other day it could be a sports writer, the other day uh, a reporter who's got some stories to tell from from wherever they've been reporting from over the years. Uh, it'll be a it'll be a potpourri. That's what I want it to be. Along with the uh, along with some of the things that I used to do on my uh, radio show when it was when it was uh, on the air, like the This Day in History, which we'll have in here, uh, it being uh, it's not Monday, January the thirteenth. <laughs> Bob, you got to go and write the script correctly because it's Wednesday, January the thirteenth, the thirteenth day of twenty twenty. Nonetheless, with three hundred fifty-three days left in the year, actor Richard Mull is seventy-seven. Julia Louis-Dreyfus, who played Elaine on Seinfeld, she's fifty-nine years old today. Country singer Trace Atkins, fifty-eight. Actress Penelope Ann Miller, fifty-six. Patrick Dempsey is fifty-four, and Orlando Bloom is 43. In 1794 on this date, President George Washington approved a measure adding two stars and two stripes to the American flag following the admission of Vermont and Kentucky to the Union. The number of stripes was later reduced to the original 13. 1941, a law went into effect granting Puerto Ricans U.S. birthright citizenship. Novelist James Joyce died in Zurich, Switzerland less than a month before his 59th birthday. In 1982, 
An Air Florida 737 crashed into Washington, D.C.'s 14th Street Bridge and fell into the Potomac while trying to take off during a snowstorm, killing a total of 78 people, including four motorists on the bridge, four passengers and a flight attendant survived. In 2000, Microsoft Chairman Bill Gates stepped aside as chief executive and promoted company president Steve Ballmer to the position. 2005, Major League Baseball adopted a tougher steroid testing program that would suspend first-time offenders for 10 days and randomly test players year-round. Last year, a false alarm that warned of a ballistic missile headed for Hawaii sent the islands into a panic with people abandoning cars on a highway and preparing to flee their homes. Officials apologized and said the alert was sent when someone hit the wrong button during a ship change. This kind of thing has happened before. It's happened before. In 19, now I'm going to go and mention the, the date here. This, this happened on radio station WOWO in Fort Wayne. It was called the, it was the emergency broadcast system at the time. And I want to, I just want to pull up on my computer so that I can get the date right because it was, it was February the 20th, 1971. The audio was on YouTube, so we're not going to play that here. You can find that on YouTube, but it was a false alarm. And it was, uh, these kinds of things can start, start chain reactions when people start relaying the same thing from the same, uh, and, and that's what happened at WOWO. They looked at the, the wire and it uh, was ringing the bells that accompanied it and said, you know, this is an emergency and go on the air and uh, they went into emergency mode suspended all the commercials and the music and they were endeavoring to find out what was wrong and then a couple of minutes later they sent something across the wire correcting what they had sent 10 minutes earlier and uh it was uh you can tell that the guy in the studio is kind of rattled and bob sievers was the morning guy he had been there for a long time and he continued to stay there for a long time. You're listening to Bob's World. You're listening to Bob's World on Spotify and Anchor and all sorts of other places. Uh, the more uh, there will be as we uh, continue to uh, uh, go forward here. Our community events page, I sure hope, gradually gets a bit more robust as we gradually emerge from COVID, but there are still things you can do outdoors safely. As I alluded to on Monday's broadcast, I said I'd try to have a community note from each New England state, along with two more, as I consider the Boston area of Massachusetts and the Bridgeport area of Connecticut uh, separate from the rest of the states that they're in. You know, you got Fairfield County. There weren't Yankees hats over there. And you know it. <laughs> we still love you. We, we, we still love you. You're still New England. You're just a distinct society within... New England. It sure feels like that when you travel anyway. And we will get you in here. We'll try to include everybody uh, as, as we go through here. Um, 
Uh, now through Sunday, February the 21st, there's skating at the rink at Thompson's Point. That's 10 Thompson's Point Road in Portland, Maine. For more information, call their area code 207-747-5288. That is 207-747-5288. The folks at Thompson's Point in Portland require all employees and guests to bring and wear a mask at all times. Now, this is a virtual event, but it is geared towards our friends in Connecticut. It's called uh, What's Next? Rethinking Your Business in a Post-COVID World. It's presented by the Connecticut Small Business Development Center. Next Tuesday, January 19th at 11 a.m., as businesses look towards planning their future, the Connecticut Small Business Development Center will help you adapt your business to the new normal. In this webinar, they'll discuss the process of pivoting your business and discuss some of the tools available to help you review your financials, conduct a market analysis, and interpret industry trends. Christine Sullivan is the operations team lead, and she will present these resources and help business owners understand how they can rethink their business strategy. There is no cost, but you must register. You can go to the Bridgeport Regional Business Council's website for more info and to register for this free webinar by going to brbc.org. You know, it's wonderful that so many of these things have turned virtual in order to adapt. And speaking of that, I direct your attention to this event happening tomorrow night at 6. Jennifer Riley Chetwind, Director of Marketing and Social Responsibility at Denver's Botanical Garden, will discuss the garden's mission-driven approach to water conservation in the face of climate change and how they showcase beautiful gardens appropriate for semi-arid climates while advancing water-efficient gardening and agriculture principles. This is being arranged by the Berkshire Botanical Garden in Stockbridge, Mass. Admission $15, and for members it's 10 That's tomorrow night at 6 online and put together by the Berkshire Botanical Garden in Stockbridge, Massachusetts. Go to berkshirebotanical.org slash events. And if you have a nonprofit event you would like me to mention on here, put events in the subject line and email it to robert.welch0520 at gmail.com. robert.welch0520 at gmail.com. For general feedback, the Talk Mac machine is always open 24 7. That's 802 467. 0212, you can tweet me at Bob Welch, N-E-N-Y. And as we go forward, we'll have, uh, we'll start to get interviews on here. It, it, it's, you know, it's hard to get your name out at the beginning. And then once you get a firm footing, it's easier for you to get people on. But that's what we'll be trying to do in here. This has been Bob's World on this Wednesday, January the 13th, 2001. I'm Bob Welch. Thank you for listening.